Hi everyone, welcome to the Jewish Divorce Project. I'm your host, Noam Rauscher. And I'm your host, Liron Tal. Join us as we kvetch and kvel about Judaism and divorce. From our perspective as two Jewish professionals and two divorce coaches. And two Jewish parents. Lots of experience and plenty of opinions. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, this is the Jewish Divorce Project. I want to acknowledge that uh, we are still in a beautifully, uh, wonderfully new studio. Liron is still here. She has not run away after that first episode, and so are you. You're here, too. That's a, a wonderful thing. Um, here we are on uh, a Monday recording, and we're a week into this conflict between Israel and Gaza, this war, and uh, it still feels a little hard to kind of talk about things like divorce in the context of this major world event, a particularly tragic world event in which Israel was attacked by terrorists and many lives were lost. There are over 150 hostages who have been taken, some of whom are American citizens as well. And this is a very scary time for any number of people. Uh, for Jews, as well as it is, I would imagine, for Gazans, the civilians of Gaza City, right, who are there under uh, the terrorist regime of Hamas. And uh, everyone's really suffering in this circumstance. I don't think anyone's doing well. How are you doing, Liron? You know, I'm getting through. I'm just trying to support my family. Um, My family in Israel, my family here is Israeli. Um, So it's been, you know, it's been an interesting week. That's for sure. It's been a very interesting week. You're Israeli, and so you have some family there. Are you okay sharing a little bit about what's going on with your family? Are they okay? Yeah, everyone's okay. Um, I was born here, but my parents are from Israel. Um, you know, my grandma's a Holocaust survivor, and it's been really hard watching. You know, she's just stuck to the t- glued to the TV. Um, so just trying to get the morale up, trying to be supportive of my family. Um, everybody that's in Israel is on a WhatsApp group, and we're all just in touch. And yeah, my, you know, I have to say something really interesting. My cousin that lives here. She was a soldier in the IDF. She was very high up there and um, did border patrol. I spoke with her the other day and asked her how she's feeling, if she's feeling, you know, at all grateful that she's here and safe. And she said, absolutely not. I want to get on a plane right now. Really? Yeah. She just wants to be there fighting and help out. Yeah. Very difficult. That's the Israeli mind, you know? It is. I'm not going to sit back and let this happen. And it's fascinating to see the story. I, I shouldn't be surprised. Right, but you hear these stories of these again, you know, veterans of the IDF who, when they heard what was going on, grabbed the you know reserve gun that they had in the house and went to go find family and did so and saved them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people were in bomb shelters, you know, for and these are bomb shelters, so they're easily accessible with terrorists in their homes, and uh, that they had to wait there for nine, ten, twelve hours with hardly any food or water, electricity as well is. Very scary thing. And then knowing what's going to happen in the next weeks and months, and hopefully it won't be that long, but this ground invasion um, and how it's going to upend things over there and the refugee crisis that now is going to be created as a result of this whole thing uh, is just really disturbing. Um, and look, this is a podcast about divorce. We yeah. can't get around the fact that like there's a war going on in Israel. And I, and I think there's something relevant to be said about that. I do also, just personally speaking, um, this has been a hard week for me. It, it it was a hard weekend, too. I found out that a friend of mine had passed away, someone I lost contact with. Uh, her name is Rabbi Amy Jirasi. She was a, a, a rabbi out here in, in uh, Los Angeles. She worked over at the Pasadena Jewish Temple and Center, where I was for uh, a couple of years as a rabbi. I hired her 
as the as the educational director, and she uh, is amazing. She was wonderful. She had such a beautiful and vibrant spirit. Um, and the war, coupled by this other uh, passing, you know, you got this violence on a grand scale, and then you got cancer as a violence on a mm -hmm. small, you know, local individual scale. Um, and uh, it, I, I, I'm at a real loss. I'm at a real loss. I'm very sad. Um, and it's, I wish I had a chance to say goodbye and I just lost contact with her and it's, uh, it's given me a lot to think about. And so it's upsetting. Um, and as, as these moments should give us all things to really think about, but I wanted to share Amy's name so that, um, we could put that out there into the universe. Mm. Um, may her memory be a blessing. May the memory of everyone who perished, uh, in these attacks and in this war forever be a blessing. May we learn from all this. May we learn what it is to sustain our relationships and to uh, strive for peace and for love and for harmony so that we can move past these days of war and violence and so that we can create a world and society that is just and beautiful and loving and caring and compassionate for our children. War and cancer are not good for children or other living things. Let us do our best to eradicate both friends and to find peace uh, amongst people so that we can all strive for that. Um, and so hopefully we can take that into our conversation now, mm -hmm. which is to say, look, the realities of the Israel-Gaza war, right, are that your children are going to be finding out about it, right? Maybe you have children. I have an, I have a 12-year-old who's got an, I, an iPhone, right? And so he's going to get text messages from his friends. He doesn't have social media. Do your kids have social media? No. So my kids don't have social media, but they are on, you know, they use YouTube. And... um First of all, I want to say thank you for sh for those beautiful words, and um, I'm sorry for your loss, and thank you, for, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, you know, when everything started happening, I have to say it was really hard for me because that weekend they were at their dad's, mm -hmm. and that was hard to not be with them, not hug them, not be near them. Um, you know, I texted their dad and said, I I'd like to just talk to them at least, and, you know, see how they're doing. I had no idea what he was saying, if the TV was on in his house. Right. And I was feeling really a loss of, of um, you know, protect. I, I, I didn't feel like I could protect them in any way in that weekend. So that was actually really hard. But um, I was really impressed with the way he handled it and, you know, didn't have the news on and stuff like that. But um, when I did speak to the kids, when they came back, you know, I said, listen, I there's things that I just don't think are appropriate for kids. They're scary. There's things going on right now that are just, I don't want you to accidentally see anything. So we're not going to go on YouTube. We're going to not really use the devices as much as possible. And I told, I told my son to, you know, monitor any kind of texts he gets or anything like that. And they both were really receptive. I mean, they just said, okay, we understand. Um, Cause I mean, frankly, I've seen things that I wish I didn't see <laughs> that are hard to unsee as well. Um, so it's it's uh, how do you have these conversations potentially if your relationship with your ex is also um, fraught with tension, right? How can you bring up anything, right? Even the littlest things might spark an argument. So how do you talk about something yeah. that you might be really impassioned by, right? So it's not only does it affect your kids, you're thinking about how it affects you as a human being and as a Jew as well. Forget about your kids. I remember the the first time I thought about something like this was back after George Floyd had been killed. This was during the pandemic, during the quarantine. Uh, and there were all these protests going on, right? Particularly in Los Angeles, given mm -hmm. the history of you know racial violence between uh, the black community and the police department. Um, my ex asked me if I was gonna take the boys to one of the protests, one of the rallies. 
Um, and for much as I support, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, right, and also assisting the support of Black Lives and things like that, um, and I realize there's tension between them and also with Israel right now, they're supporting the Gazans. And so let me draw a real nuance, you know, perspective in that. I support Black Lives in terms of, you know, Black Lives being safe, right, and cared for all over the world and thriving, right? I don't agree with their stance on what's going on in Israel right now. I think there is some misguided information there. But nonetheless, um, my concern was that taking him to the protest, there could have been real problems there. Mm -hmm. So my ex was all about informing him and letting him know, letting both the kids know what was going on, which I think has a real point to it, right? About letting them know what's going on in the world, right? That they shouldn't necessarily been, be hidden from it. But at the same time, I was also really concerned for their safety. So to your point, right, about the limiting social media, how do you right, work all those things out, right? What kind of co-parenting relationship do you have? You know, there's cooperative co-parenting, there's conflict co-parenting, and then there's parallel co-parenting. So what do you think would have worked had your ex said something to you like, well, you know what? Like, I have sympathy for you and everything like that, but it's my house and I want to have the conversations that I want to have with them. And this is going to be what I tell them. And you can't control that. How would you respond to something like that? Well, that could have very likely been the case. I probably would have just had a shot of tequila. I don't really know what I would have done in that situation. Um, I do have to say, though, I think surviving anybody who's gone through the time of COVID and quarantine and the election and all of the politics that we've gone through, if you've been divorced during that time and you were in any kind of high conflict or, you know, situation, I mean... I'll be honest with you, we we were on complete opposite end when it came to, to politics. And so we kind of already went through a lot of that. Um, but I think that when it came to this and my situation, because we both have Israeli families and we both, I was really surprised at how actually connected and on the same page we were um, about everything. I mean, even when we got the, um, you know, the threats and everybody was afraid on Friday, right. um, I called him and I was like, how do you feel? I don't want to make Send this decision. Are we sending them to right. school? Are we not sending them right. to school? And we had a really good conversation about it. And I was actually really proud of us right. that we were a team when it came to this. Um, could have gone other way. You know, I, I but. Right. We've pretty much just limited social. I mean, we don't have them on social media as it is. And we have parental controls on YouTube and things like that. Um, but there's also something to be said about, um, helping them understand the other information that they are getting, right? Because they're only with us for so much of the day, then they're going to go back to school and their friends probably have, yeah. you know, far more freedom on their phones than we give them, or at least I'm assuming, and that maybe they don't, but, you know, that they're going to hear something from their parents, right? Look, it, some kid at school, right, already said to my kid, right, this is last week already, hit the gritty for the Palestinians, Hit the Gritty is a football dance. It's a celebratory football dance. So the idea is that you celebrate for the Palestinians because of the attack that they had had on Israel. And so that type of insensitivity is still out there. We've handled it. We've reached out to How the How did school. he react? Uh, he didn't like it. He And the, the <clears throat> upsetting thing about it is that this isn't the first time that something relatively anti-Semitic has been said to him. Right? And here's the thing. I also give the kid a grain of salt because he's a kid. Right? He's an 11-year-old. He hears things. He doesn't really understand them. And then he uses them because he's a kid. Okay, so I'm reluctant to call it really anti-Semitic. I'm more likely to call it a foolish thing that a kid did without really understanding what they were doing. 
Say it. I'll be honest with you. It's more concerning the parents of the children, right? Because no question about clearly, it. Clearly, whatever they're saying, they're kids. They're saying whatever they've heard at home and whatever they may have overheard people talking about. So it's more, you know, I don't necessarily blame the kids, but it is concerning about what, where are they hearing this from? Oh, it's hugely concerning, right? Yeah. Where are they getting it from? Yeah. Either the parents aren't supervising them when they're getting it or the parents are giving it to them themselves or the parents aren't filtering it out when they hear it. It's incredibly concerning. Uh, and, and nonetheless, right, I, I still have compassion for the child. But my point is to say that, like, these things have come up in the school before from the same kid. And um, it's interesting just to watch it all unfold equally. The school, and I won't give names, did a poor job at um, talking about the conflict to parents. Mm -hmm. um, they were trying very much, I think, to protect themselves against backlash from anyone from either side. We got the same the same letter and calling it, you know, yeah, trying to be right. neutral in but this even situation. I, but, but didn't even like totally whitewash the idea that there had actually been an attack. Yeah. Right. Like there was an instigator and that innocent lives had been lost. Right. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that some of those innocent lives were children right, babies, right? We're talking about rape and murder and kidnapping, some of whom are American citizens, right? And for the school not to acknowledge that, right? That's an affront towards America as well. Yeah. For the school to be unaware of that um, is just kind of problematic in this whole thing. So you can just think about like how that affects divorced families in the sense that like the school is giving poor information, right? And a poor support system to families in general, how that affects divorced families and having to go figure it out even more so on their own. The, the things that I've realized, like I, I've scanned across um, a lot of, um, there are, you know, people are putting out websites or, or memes about how to talk to kids about the conflict, right? And so some of them, and, and, and I would say that like a lot of this is also about um, how do you talk to your kids about divorce, right? Because it's a difficult scenario. So this is tough situations and tough conversations to have with the kids. And I think the first thing to remember is that they can handle tough conversations. How old were your kids when you told them about your divorce? Four and well, like three and seven. And do they still remember those conversations? My seven-year-old does. My three-year-old doesn't remember. My nine-year-old just told me today that he still remembers the conversation, how we all did this like family scream yeah. when we talked about it. So it's fascinating to me like to see that they can have these tough conversations, have memories about them, and still be okay. Yeah. Right? I think that when it comes to talking to the kids, whether it's the similarity between divorce and any kind of, um, you know, traumatic experience or, or, or disaster, is to remember that they're developmentally different at every age. Yeah. And so, you know, talking in talking to my nine-year-old about this, his first first thing he said was, "Are they coming here? Are they going to get us?" And that is very normal for younger children. Their world is their family, they think it's is their parents, and they right. think about themselves, and they're, they're you know, self-centric at this age right. still. Um, doesn't mean they don't have empathy, doesn't mean they don't feel sad for what's going on in other, in other places in the world, but it, they're immediately thinking about themselves. And so to be able, I think so important that all the kids really need to know is that they're safe, that they're loved, that mommy and daddy are here. It's the same thing with divorce, right? Um, as they're older, you know, my older son that's in middle school, um, he understands more. And um, with him, I really did speak about more about like, what do you do if you hear something anti-Semitic and like, what is his role in this? And 
you know, that's where you kind of see the difference in the ages. I didn't really have the same conversations with my little one. Very different conversations between the age groups. They always have different questions. And so you have to switch gears and always kind of say the right thing to the other one. Because what you can say to a 12-year-old might be very different from what you can say to a 9-year-old. So you have to be careful about that. And I think, you know, from what I can tell, it's also about being proactive and starting the conversations with them, Mm -hmm. right? If it comes to divorce, right, you're not waiting until your kids see a leaving living in two different homes, right? Or when you're moving out to let them know that you're getting divorced. Yeah. Right? This is a, a, a proactive, preemptive conversation to let them know what's going on. And I would say the same is true for this, which is to say, you're going to hear about a lot of things that are coming out, right? I want you to hear it from me first, right? And the thing that you should do is A, know that you can always come to me with these questions, right? But B, also know that what you hear from other people and what you see on social media, if you're seeing it, you do have to be skeptical about it, right? You do have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Listen, we have so much to talk about this. Let's take a break. Yeah. Hear a word from our sponsor. Action One Plumbing is a family-owned business that has been serving the Los Angeles area for over 35 years. The owner, Stephen Alexander, passed away a year ago, and now his wife is running the business. Steve always offered special rates and donations to synagogues and Jewish institutions since the 80s. So we're excited to support this Jewish solo parent business owner. Be sure to call Action One Plumbing when you're having problems with those pipes. Visit actiononeplumbing.com and use our exclusive code JDP25 and get $25 off. Welcome back. Did you just hear me sneeze to the (laughs) microphone? No, if you didn't, because I didn't actually sneeze. It was a trick question, friends. I have my finger on my sneeze button, my cough button, just in case the one coming on. But yeah. So I want to get back to what we were talking about because I, yes, I, I had a thought. So um, we were talking about how it's different when you talk to the different ages of children and that really speaking to their level, right? I think that one of the hardest things as a parent, especially as a single parent, solo parent, is that you don't have that other person to kind of tag team with when you're not at your best. I have been, as pretty much everyone has been, clearly disturbed, anxious. Um, You know, I see something on my phone and I'm in this agitated mood. And just to be able to know that, you know, you're not going to be fun, cool mom all the time and during these times. So, you know, I've really taken the approach of just being really honest and open with the kids and just saying to them, I'm I need I need a minute you know when I need a minute or just kind of like I'm not I don't have the patience level I I normally have right now so I've been giving them a lot of kind of like letting them know where I'm at so they can kind of test the waters because hearing them complaining about the thing they didn't I didn't buy them or it's like seems everything seems so mundane mundane right now and you don't want to downplay their lives and what's important to them or snap at them but so I've been really trying, I've, I've been, I think that's something really important as parents is, just, and we, we deal with this with divorce. We read a text for a message from our ex that pisses us off and we have to do everything in our power to not snap at our kids in that moment. Um, so I always take the approach of just kind of letting them in, letting them know where I'm at, you know, so they understand. So they're not like, why are you mad? I've had to learn to do that. I mean, it takes a lot because you're breaking habits. But like I've realized when I get mad, I need to just say to them proactively, I need to take a break. Dad needs some space right now. And hopefully that will in turn communicate to them what it means to really be aware of your emotions. But being proactive in that way is really the right way to do it. But I think you also need to 
um, you, you need to like know about yourself in that way, right? You need to also know what you know and know what you don't know and what you may need to do more research on, particularly when it comes to this conflict. And so, you know, I think, um, look, if it were a circumstance where it were a conflict-oriented co-parenting relationship, right, where you just didn't get along about anything, you would still want to preserve the relationship you had with your ex if you had some, and certainly you'd want to preserve the sacredness of the relationship, or at least the imagination of the relationship in your child, mm-hmm. right? Because they still think even if you're divorced, mom and dad might still like each other, they get along, and even if they don't, and they know and they know that you don't get along, you may want to improve that, right? Because that's not the type of env- divorce environment you want for your kids. So the question is, if your ex does do something, like if they say something about the war that you don't approve with or something that you vehemently disagree with, right, from a moral perspective, right, I simply don't agree, right? I'm not about supporting Hamas, right? Hamas are not freedom fighters, that sort of thing, right? And some Maybe an ex says that they are, right? But you take real, you have a real problem with that, as I imagine a lot of people would from a moral perspective. How then do you handle it? And again, I think it's about, A, the truth, and not shying away from the conversation, which is to say they're not freedom fighters, right? These are terrorists who are controlling the people of Gaza. Um, but then second of all, um, to be respectful to your ex about it, which is to say that is one perspective of a lot of perspectives that are out there. And your mother or father, whoever they are, is entitled to have their respect, their perspective. When it comes to people having different ways of thinking and opinions about anything in the world, Right. You can disagree without there being disrespect. Yeah. I mean, think about families that are still married. They might have. I think about interfaith families and interracial families. And I mean, I bet there's a lot going on right now where there's two opinions or two perspectives or, you know. um, So I think it's important to, to tell the kids, you know what? He has his way of thinking about things. I have my way about thinking about things and try not to be like, well, mine's right. Well, but it's so interesting, you know, the opportunity involved in our, you, you risk so much, I think, in the conversation going wrong. There have been times I've brought stuff up to my ex, and I've been impassioned about them and been in the wrong place, and the conversation has spiraled out of control, and it's been my fault, okay? And I've needed to apologize for that. Growth on your part. I appreciate that. that. I appreciate that. The larger point, though, is to think that knowing that there's such a risk in things fucking up, right, there is, I think... And there might be a risk, but an opportunity at the very least for things to go really right. Mm-hmm. And to do, I, I want to say, create some space for real kind of bonding within the process of the divorce, mm-hmm. which is to say, A, again, if you disagree, right, you can still disagree and love that other person, which is a wonderful skill set to teach your children for just growing up in general about life, right? You can still love that person. You should love that person. This is your mother or your father talking. Um you know, but you could come together and understand them more, right, by being curious about it rather than just blindly disagreeing with them, right, to let them know that there's something to be learned about it. And even more so, right, a second layer of it, I think, is that with the war going on, children will get a sense of chaos and upset about the world, okay? I think there says something about trying to preserve a relationship even if it's with your ex, right? You can say to your kids, like, the world may be in chaos, but our family's not going to be, mm-hmm. right? Our family is going to come together. Yeah. This is scary for everyone, and our family is going to come together so that we all feel comforted. And just recognizing that there 
are opportunities for risk where you could really mess it up. But then there are real opportunities, I think, for coming together in divorce that you may not necessarily see as a result of this whole conflict, but I think can be there if you take the conversation seriously and carefully enough. Yeah. I mean, even just the fact that every time we've had to communicate, we've asked each other about our families. I mean, that's really, that shows compassion that we haven't shown in years. It really does. Yep. Why don't we take another commercial break okay. and then uh, we'll come back with a little bit of information about next week's guest and how you can get involved with that conversation in advance. Excited. Gina Feeds Catering has been creating beautiful and delicious food throughout the Los Angeles area for over a decade. This local Jewish woman-owned business has been recruiting volunteers and is raising money for the soldiers in Israel by selling her famous chicken matzah ball soup. You can buy a deconstructed soup that feeds four people for $36. They even freeze well so you can stock up for the winter. To place your chicken soup for the soldier's order, you can send a DM on Instagram to Gina Feeds Catering or email Gina at GinaFeeds.com. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. I just have to say I'm really excited about this last sponsor we had because this is yeah. just a true sign of community. Yeah. Someone coming together and really making a difference and utilizing their platform and their business to really help. So I'm how about the greater thing, the greater scheme of things, right? Catering and food nourishes mm -hmm. the soul. Yep. Right? That's really what we're talking about at this time. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about our guest for next week. And that's one of my favorite things. Not only the conversations that we have, but also the guests that we have and the conversations that ensue from that. Uh, and I'm really excited uh, because next week, we're going to have this wonderful guest. Her name is Erica Etten. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's on social media uh, as a little nudge. And she does dating and relationship advice. And it's some of the smartest, funniest, most practical advice you will ever get. And so I'm so much looking forward to it because my dating life is absolutely in shambles, right? It's ugly. It's disgusting. Uh, and so I just like, I, uh, I don't want to really go anywhere near it. Uh, and having a professional in the house, mm -hmm. I think, would just, like, it might turn the world around. Yeah, I think what I have is the opposite of advice. I probably have uh, a lot of what not to do <laughs> and who not to choose. She probably has a lot more of that. <laughs> Although I, I think she's really proactive, too, so she probably has a lot of the good stuff so yeah. that you should do. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited for this guest. Are you dating anyone now? Um, kind of. Kind of? Kind of. Uh oh Um... I will tell you, though, I have definitely dated quite a bit in the last five years. Mm -hmm. so, so That's the way it goes. Yeah. Everything from online, from just meeting someone out, you know, definitely tried it all. Um, I look back and laugh. I think it's been a, a fun and the dating hilarious experience. experience. Yeah. What have been the highs for you in dating, other than the yes. obvious things? Um... Well, you know what? I have a, I think in the beginning, I think it's really important to know what you actually want. You don't know that in the beginning, right? You don't know what, what it is you want in a partner. So I did a lot of like, I don't want this, I don't want that. And I kept attracting the same kind of person that I didn't want. So um, kind of like evaluating that whole situation was really interesting. But um, yeah, just, you know, little things like having uh, all my married friends wanting to live vicariously through me. My best friend always wanting to know where I'm going on a date in case he's crazy. You know, she would always uh, follow me 
on my phone. Like I drop a pin, she'd follow me. And then if she'd see I'm at one place, she's like, okay. I, I can't guess. tell you how many times in the middle of a date a woman says, hold on, let me text my friend that everything's okay. Yeah. And that's like a good sign. That's a good right? sign. But like the fact that like there have been so many dates where like the women are texting their friends just to check in and let them know that everything okay is a real sign. Like that's a real legit thing. I don't think guys do that. No. I don't have well, a backup system with my friends. Yeah, I mean, guys are crazy. Never Call me and tell me there's some reason I have to leave right now, some emergency. Oh yeah, not even so much of an out, just like safety wise, right? But then, but then, like, there's times you don't want you don't want anyone knowing where you're going, what you're doing. That's you the know? whole point, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's so. look. I I feel um, much more confident about dating. I feel better dating than I did now when I was dating to get married. Mm -hmm. You know, back then it was much more about. At least it felt like it was much more about impressing people. Absolutely. Dating after divorce, I feel like, and it's different for everyone, but I think um, you're dating with a different intention. And it's about becoming intentional in how you're dating. Um, I personally have been very much enjoying dating without an end game. Mm. I'm not like, I have to get married. I want to live with someone. I want to, I know I don't want to have more kids. I already kind of know. Anybody I'm with, it's just, I just want to be present and enjoy what I get out of a relationship now and not really look too far in the future. You know, I'm kind of like, right now while I'm raising kids and working and being with them, that's my focus. When they're older and out of the house, then I could see myself living with someone, having that life partner. But it's kind of like right now I got a good, and I still got a lot of time. My son's only nine, like, until he's old enough, you know? It's so funny how like impatience can impact you with dating and you could just make the wrong decisions about things. You can rush into relationships. You could say the wrong things to people and you find that uh, it just totally messes things up and then taking a step back and doing as you just did, which is to say, I'm really only focusing on my kids, my work and myself at this moment. It eases so much. Like I don't have to worry about spending money on dates, which just gets so expensive. And I can't deal with the patriarchal nature of dating when I have to pay for everything. Um, uh, it gets... Is it like that still? Do you still feel like women absolutely, that? absolutely, absolutely? Part of the reasons I'm not on the apps is because um, a couple months ago I went out on a date with a woman, and things were great. Um, I'm actually not on the apps right now. This was like a casual, like they found me over social media, and we, we went out, which is fine. Like it's all the same, right? You check people out, you yeah. verify who they are. Um, one specifically for dating, one's just for social media. But um, so we went out and we had a great time. We started to have conversations and whatnot and it was, you know, uh, getting deeper. We were, you know, just still talking and whatnot. But came to light that, um, she, so she said, <clears throat> we could split the meals. And I said, that's great. I was going to ask her that anyway. And she says, is that normally something that you would, you know, elect to do and want. And I say, yeah, because I have kids and, you know, I really need to focus on putting food on the table for them. And so I can't start paying for meals for everyone, but I would certainly be happy to split the meal with you, right? And pay for my half and you pay for your half. And then she broke it off. Oh. She broke Does she mean like she just wanted to like share a dish with you? No. Or did she, she no, not no, no, mean no. financially she wanted well, to split it? She, she I like sharing food. I like being like, met. let's get an entree and an appetizer and share. No, she, this is, first of all, I hate tapas. Okay, I hate app. Like, I'll Do you not take like an sharing your food with anyone. If it's a true appetizer, yeah. If it's like a serious appetizer where there's like equal amounts mm -hmm. for everyone, yeah, I'll do that. But I'm not about to go to tapas where I get like three raisins, right, and four pieces of pita bread and a scoop of hummus or something like that, and maybe a small little panini pizza. Like, come on, 
not grazing here. Yeah. I'm a man. I need to eat. Give me something to eat. Um, <laughs> you know, I was raised on like three course meals. That's how it goes when you have a Jewish mother. Um, so, so she she breaks it off, right? And she says, <laughs> because you because you she paid because I would want to split the meals. Mm. Um, she says, I'm not trying to get a free meal out of this, but it really makes me feel good and loved when a man pays for my meals. And I was like, look, I, I totally get it. It's a love language of yours, right? And you're a great person. But like, I, to me, men always paying for meals still feels like a, like a patriarchal intrusion into this. And I didn't like go further onto this, but I was like, clearly this isn't going to work if that's like a real need for you. And this is a real need for me. And she broke it off. Um, but it was just like so frustrating. Yeah. See, it's so interesting. I don't feel like a man needs to pay. I really don't. And I always offer. And if he's like, no, I want to do it, I'll say, okay, fine. I'm not going to like fight you for it. But like, or I'll say like, I'll get the next one if, if I want a next date. Right. right. Um, it's clever. Nicely <laughs> done. Want the next nice day. way to I'll say I'll get them. the next one. Right. And I'll, I'll pay see. for the second one. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean we're having a second date, but you know, if we were to have a second date, I'll pay for it. Um, so, you know, you're definitely not getting sex on the second date. <laughs> the woman has to pay for it, right? Yeah, but honestly, I've had situations where I've gone on a date and the date goes, okay, but I know it's like not every first date is worth more than a first date. Right. 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 So I've gone on a date, great time. I know, you know, kind of into it if this is going to be another date you're going on. But I'm also like, I'm here. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy the moment, right? We'll have a drink. We'll hang out. I had a guy get so mad at me afterwards when I just said, when I didn't want that second date, you know, when he was like, when I'm going to see you again. And I was like, you know, we had a really good time. I don't think that it's going to. He went off. You women, just you, all you did was use me to get drinks and to have food and this and that. And you just, you're all users. I mean, I was probably like the final straw for him. I was like, dude, I offered to pay. Yeah. Like I offered to split it. Yeah. That's not what this was about. Right. But yeah, he got real mad. It's so, so I, that's like actually it. when I started. Cause I, when I was, when I was on the apps, I was really the way I was dating on the apps. Like I don't like the back and forth and the texting and We'll, we'll have to talk about this next week for sure. But I don't like all that back and forth too much. So if I meet someone and we somewhat click and I'll be like, let's get together. Let's grab a coffee. Let's, right. you know, immediately. It I really should meet. just be that simple. That's what I do. I don't like to go back and forth. They call so. it pen palling. Yeah. So <laughs> that's ridiculous. She rolls her eyes, which ridiculous. I can imagine is the same eye roll that plenty of other women have given me. Oy, right? oy, oy. Yeah, all I don't the like text messages. But that being said. <laughs> You go on this date, and then it sucks. And then I had this guy get mad at me for not wanting a second date. So I was like, right. okay, from now right. on, I'm going to actually really filter them out and not yeah. just meet just yeah. any guy. Like, we're going to make it on a date. That means I already want to see him. And we've had a conversation. And that all just took too much time. So I just gave up on the apps. Okay. <laughs> That's right. No, I just, I mean, I haven't liked the apps for a while. Um, it's just, it's. I mean, I feel like it turned into a little bit of an addiction because there's an adrenaline rush. Ooh, someone likes me. Let me keep, you know, well, it's kind like of. like seeing likes on your 
Instagram posts. Yeah, but it means a little bit more to me than that, right? Yeah. It really does. Like I'm looking for something deep and committed and very much want to build something with someone like one individual, get to know them on a very deep level and continue to build this life with them. Uh, and so it's it, it means a lot more on a dating app when someone likes you than it does, I think, on Facebook or Instagram. And it, but all that being said, like I needed to put it away because I was just like, I need, like I'm checking, I'm swiping while driving and like that was a bad thing. And yeah. so this is now like... No apps or anything like that. I'm waiting. It's almost been like a full year. I'm just like staying off of it entirely. And it feels pretty good. But like dating in and of itself is like hard to avoid because I still get lonely and I have needs. And, you know, I want to be with people and have companionship. And it's uh, it's a very difficult circumstance to be in. Really, have you well, been able to introduce any men to your kids? Like, have you gone that far with anyone? One time. So I did have a relationship. Um I did meet someone. Actually, it was really cool. We met over during, it was 2020, November of 2020, right during COVID. And Whoa. so I think I had said on the last episode, I my divorce finalized and I was ready to be single. And then we yeah. locked down. And I got to a point where I was like, I just wanted adult conversation. So that was the first time I went on the apps just to find a parent to talk to. And I did. And I met, I met this guy and we were, we, for a month, because his ex was crazy strict with with um, COVID and we, you know, he had kids, I had kids. So we, for a month, we just texted and then we talked on the phone and we built this friendship. Um, but we both listened to our therapists and we waited six months before he met my kids and I met, we did it all right. I mean, wow. we did the whole thing right. He uh -huh. met my kids and then I met his daughter and then uh -huh. the kids met. We did it all together. Uh -huh. Relationship didn't up. last, yeah. but um, it was like exactly what we needed during COVID and it was so fun and interesting to mm. date during that time because nothing was open. Mm. So our dates were like grabbing smoothies and walking around a park right, right, or right. like we had to get creative. And I'd been, a lot of that. he saw me in like sweats before we went out to My gosh. a date out. Like they say you're supposed to tell someone how ugly you are. Right. But that's supposed to be like emotionally and psychologically. We you're like, not supposed to show up in actual sweats. We that's would, big time. We hung out at each other's places. Like we weren't like going anywhere. And but when that's, we finally wow. went to a restaurant and it was our first date, Whoa. it was like three months into us dating. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. So that was my experience. And you know what I was, I was so worried about the kids meeting someone and, and what would happen and when we broke up, they were like, all right. Like they were really? so resilient. They, weren't they didn't even care. They liked him a lot, but they, mm. they were, Fine. So maybe it's not so more difficult. concerned about if he hurt my feelings, if he was mean to me. Look, just to come first circle and not to make a joke about anything, but like the the, the biggest concern I have with dating is answering the question about where you stand on the Israel Gaza conflict. <laughs> like I have no problems answering it. I can articulate it quite nicely. I think and at the same time I'm concerned about the reactions, which is to say, Nope, sorry. See you later. I was all for it. I was all for for splitting meals, and I was all for for going, you know, Dutch and doing it. everything. But like, nope, nope, sorry, can't take on Israel Gaza. Not gonna happen. See. Yeah. Uh, with that in mind, friends, uh, we've come to the end of our conversation for today. It's been another wonderful episode uh, with you, Lerone, uh, and Craig. Always a pleasure to be in your company and Dodger. Dodger is this beautiful husky dog who just wanders around our studio, and he's amazing. Uh, and so uh, what a great conversation with you all today. Um, do you have a piece of divorce wisdom uh, for anyone, you know, not dating, but talking about Israel Gaza with your kids? Yeah, I think um, divorce wisdom or parenting. I'm going to go more with parenting this time. Whatever works. I think as far as parenting, just remember that they are going through something as well. 
whether they are showing it or not. So just checking in with your kids, talking to your kids as much as possible, um, and reminding them that everyone has different views and opinions, but that, you know, at the end of the day, this is about being there for your family, being there for your friends, having love in your heart. You know, I, I don't know. I think it's, that's kind of where my head is at right now. That's fair. I totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. Mine would be about uh, going back to the idea of uh, seeking opportunities for closeness, yeah. right? That this is an opportunity for conversation about a difficult topic, which could end up teaching your kids any number of uh, wonderful things about the world, about other people, and about relationships. And so take it as a learning opportunity, not only as one to come together as a family to show love and safety, but as a learning opportunity as well. And I think for children that are Jewish to understand that they have a, a role to play in educating yes. others, yes. but also how to not be afraid yes. to be a target. That's yes. a big one yes. for them. Yes. Thank yeah. you for adding that in. Yeah. Very important. Very important. Friends, as you said, we're going to, or as we said, we're going to have Erica Etten uh, from A Little Nudge on last week to talk about dating and relationship advice. So if there is any questions or if there are any questions that you have about dating or divorce and want to send them in to us in advance, please do so um, through, uh, you know, a number of different avenues. And we're going to get to those avenues in just a second. Uh, but first, here's Lerone's contact information. So if you're interested in coaching or uh, support groups for women, I can be, uh, you could find me on my website at mydivorceconcierge.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at mydivorceconcierge. And you can follow me, Noam Rauscher, if you're a spiritual seeker of any kind or a man looking for some coaching during divorce. That's my specialty. Uh, you can find me at noamrauscher.com, N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R.com. Uh, you can also email me at noamrauscher at gmail.com, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at noamrauscher. And when you send in those questions for next week's, you can also send in any thoughts or questions you have about our conversation today. We'd love to hear those as well. Um, you can email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And you can also find us on social media at the Jewish Divorce Project both on Facebook, Instagram, and now most especially, you can see our beautiful faces on YouTube. So please remember, send us your questions, your dating and relationship questions to Erica. Hey, if you have a story mm -hmm. about uh, something that happened similar to what Lerone was talking about, right? If you have a story uh, about uh, dating in divorce, a relationship in divorce, and you want to send it in to us for some feedback, We'll read it on the air anonymously if you like, or you could give yourself a pen name and we'll discuss it with Erica here right in the studio. Yeah, I'm so excited please. to go through my journal and look up some stories because I, be I got some stories. It's gonna, oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Until next time, friends. All right. Peace out. Bye. If you're interested in becoming one of our sponsors or have questions and thoughts about the podcast, please email us at thejewishdivorceproject at gmail.com. And you can always find us on social media at The Jewish Divorce Project on Facebook and Instagram. And if you'd like to work with me, I specialize in divorce coaching for women. I can be found at mydivorceconcierge.com and on Facebook and Instagram at mydivorceconcierge. And if you're interested in working with me for divorce coaching or spiritual coaching, I work with people of all kinds, of all backgrounds as well. My email address is noamrauscher at gmail.com. That's N-O-A-M-R-A-U-C-H-E-R at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Instagram at noamrauscher. <laughs>